It's really good to be here this morning. I want to start out like we have been starting out pretty much every Sunday by giving you an update on Project 6K. Project 6K is our Bible reading challenge. As a body, we have challenged ourselves to read at least 6,000 books of the Bible in 2016. As you can see on the screen behind me, so far we have read 2,824 books, which is extraordinary. So I Fully anticipate sometime in this week, the first week in April, we will reach the 3K point halfway to our goal, which once more shows that if we give this body a goal, this body takes it and runs with it and makes it happen. So um, congratulations, good job, all of those kind of things. But I also know that many of us here took the 90-day challenge and have completed that challenge and have read the entire Bible in 90 days, and now we're sitting there twiddling our thumbs with nothing to do. Well, I've got good news for you. I have a new challenge for you folks. It's the 36-week somewhat chronological reading plan. Somewhat because it doesn't do all the crazy stuff to go around like some chronological reading plans do. But if you would like to start on a 36-week plan to read all the way through the Bible in somewhat chronological order, see me after services at the back and I'll give you one of these plans. Also, if you um, were unable to start on any kind of plan before, this would be a great time to join in with the rest of us and start your reading of the Bible through over the next nine months. So please see me and get one of these plans. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Father, thank you for the glory of your creation that we see around us. Father, thank you for this body here at Netherwood Park and for the, the body of Christ that is meeting all over the world today. Father, we are humbled to be a part of that body. Father, we know that our part may be small, but our part is important. And Father, help us not to be just satisfied to be in just any old body. Father, help us to strive to be the body that you have called us to be. A body that's able to do unimaginable things in the world so that that glory may be brought to your name. And Father, we pray this through Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, it is the first Sunday in April, and April is going to be the body month here at Netherwood Park. Today's lesson will be the first of four sermons focused on the church as the body of Christ. Since with our theme throughout the year, we're focusing on being equipped to serve, we'll also be frequently focusing and refocusing on the church as the body of Christ. The church as the body of Christ, that's a a powerful metaphor. It's a very useful metaphor. It helps us understand what we are called to be. It helps us understand how we are called to function. It helps us understand how we are called to serve and perform as a church. For example, we know how are we supposed to grow? Well, we're supposed to grow as a body. What are we to build up? Well, we're supposed to build up the body. How are we to serve? Well, we're to serve as a body. What are we to serve? Well, we are to serve the body. And on and on it goes. It's a powerful and useful metaphor. What we're going to do today, we're going to focus on body fitness. We'll be talking about how the body of Christ should function. And then next week, we'll shift gears a little bit, and we'll talk about the injured body. We'll talk about what happens when one part of the body is injured, and why we should care so much if one part of the body of Christ is injured, and what we should do if we are the injured part of the body of Christ. 
And then what we'll do is we'll turn our attention to healing the body. We'll look at how we should heal the body of Christ by looking at how we should respond to injured members within our body, within our midst. And finally, we'll end this short series by looking at the body restored. What happens when the body is restored back to health? How should we respond to injured members who have been restored back to full health? Let me start out by saying that I don't think that we really fully appreciate the power of the body metaphor as it's used by Paul. See, I'm afraid that when we hear the church referred to as a body too often, we think about the bodies that we see in the mirror every day when we wake up. I'm here to tell you that's not the kind of body that Paul had in mind. We're very aware of the flaws in our bodies. We're very aware of the weaknesses in our bodies. And our culture has done a very good job of convincing most of us that life would really be much better if we just had a different body than this body that we're stuck with. But we need to get rid of those kind of negative body images that we have. We need to understand that the church is not just anybody. The church is not just anybody. The church is the body of Christ. It's the body that belongs to Christ. So let's listen again as Paul talks about that body. We're going to be back in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to reread starting in verse 11. Listen to what Paul says about the body of Christ. It says, it was Jesus who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, when Paul is talking about the church, he isn't talking about just any body. He's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about a body of Jesus Christ followers that God intends to look and sound and perform and act just like Jesus Christ. The church is to be a body of believers that God intends to embody, to personify, to manifest, to represent Jesus Christ to the world around us. As Paul said in this scripture, the church is intended to have the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He says it's not supposed to just have a passing resemblance to Jesus Christ, but the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Put it in another way, we as a church are to measure up to that which God intends for us to be. We are to become truly, really, tangibly the full presence of Christ in the world. That's our goal. That's what we're striving to be, is that kind of body of Christ. 
We're striving to be mature. We're striving to be a grown-up body. We're striving to be strong. We're striving to be a built-up body of Christ. Not as Paul talked about it, not one of those infant bodies, one of those helpless bodies, one of those weak bodies. We're to be a strong and mature body. And the goal isn't to be strong and mature so we can look good in the mirror. This isn't about improving our appearance as a church. It's about being strong and mature so we can act. It's about being strong and mature so that we can perform. It's about doing. It's not just about doing, but it's about doing remarkable things. It's about being a church that accomplishes more than we can even imagine. It's about being a body that accomplishes unimaginable things. See, when Paul talks about the church being a body, he isn't talking about just any old body. No, Paul's talking about the church being a dynamic body. We could say that Paul's talking about the church being an athletic body. Now, I don't know for sure if Paul was a sports fan, but I think he probably was. He was certainly very aware of athletics. And like a lot of modern preachers, sports metaphors frequently turn up in Paul's writings. He talks about sports a lot. And the reason why he was aware of sports and athletics and the reason why he used sports metaphors is because he was surrounded by Greek culture and because he spoke to Greek audiences. And the Greek culture in many ways was like our culture. Greek people, Greek audiences, the Greek culture, and that culture, sports was a really big deal, kind of like in our culture. Most of you probably know the Olympics originated with the Greek culture. They occurred every four years. The Isthmian Games were similar to the Olympic Games. They were held just outside of Corinth, and those came along every two years. Athletics and sports were a big deal in the Greek culture. And when Paul talks about the church as a body, the image that we should have isn't the image we see in the mirror every morning of our bodies. The image that we should have is of Olympic caliber athletes. We should have an image of runners who discipline themselves, runners who train, drummers who are runners who are dynamic and athletic, runners who are striving to compete and to win a prize. See, Paul's talking about the church as a body, as a built-up, grown-up, trained-up, dynamic and athletic body that's intended by God to do unimaginable things. I want to give you a couple of quick modern images of the kind of bodies that Paul had in mind. Many of you will recognize this gentleman. His name is Usain Bolt. Let me tell you, he's able to do things that are unimaginable to me. He holds the world record in the 100 meters and the 200 meters and various other things. He ran the 100-meter dash in 9.58 seconds. We live in the United States. Meters don't mean much to us, 9.58 seconds. So to help some of us old-timers relate, the equivalent time for a 100-yard dash would have been 8.87 seconds. That still doesn't mean anything to you. His top running speed as he's running the 100-meter dash has been clocked at 27.8 miles an hour. That's unimaginable to me. The next time they put up one of those uh, radar things in your neighborhood, 
go out and run and see how fast your top speed is. I, you know, if, it, if you get half of what his is, I'm really uh, going to be impressed. But also remember, next week we're going to be talking about the injured body. You'll probably be my, my example next week if you try to do that. Unimaginable things. I want to bring up a, another one, just one more example. This gentleman's name is Mike Powell. He's the long jump world record holder. His record stands at 29 feet, 4 inches. I don't know if that means much to me. I'm going to demonstrate. I'm not going to jump 29.4 feet. If, if Mike Powell ran and took off from a board right here, he would land where Craig is standing without ever touching the ground. Yeah, go ahead and show us how you could do it. <laughs> and I guarantee you that if I ran and Craig ran and we took off from those two places, we would not meet in the middle. We would meet somewhere well before that unimaginable things that the body can do if it's equipped and if it's trained and that's the image that Paul has in mind for us I also need to let you guys know that um, and I'm probably going to crush some dreams here right now you need to know that no one in this building is ever going to run 27.8 miles an hour it's not going to happen no one in this room is going to long jump over 29 feet it will never happen no matter how hard we try No matter how hard we work, it just won't happen. And it won't happen because unlike Usain Bolt and unlike Mike Powell, we weren't genetically gifted to perform at that level. Or to put it another way, in coaching, we used to say that most of us chose our parents poorly. Think about that for a second. We don't have the genetic gifts to do those kind of things. But that isn't true of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is able to do more than we can even imagine because we are gifted by our parent. We're able to do unimaginable things exactly because we have been equipped by God. We have been equipped by our Father. We've been blessed by our Father. One way to think about it is we as the body of Christ are genetically gifted. We're genetically gifted to perform in unimaginable ways. Listen as Paul prays about what our Father has given us, how he has gifted us. In Ephesians chapter 3, I'll start reading in verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you, And listen how he strengthens us. Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now listen to this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, we're able to do immeasurably more than we can imagine, not because of who we are as a body, but because of who our Father is. We are are able to do unimaginable things, not because of our power, 
But because of the power of our Father who's working in us, we've been genetically gifted. As the body of Christ, we've been genetically gifted by our Father. Still not sure about that? Well, listen to this in Colossians 1, verse 15. Paul says, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And then listen to this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. It says, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, from Christ, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, when we chose to serve God, we chose wisely. We've chosen to serve the Father who gives us his Son and gives us his Spirit. Why is the body able to do unimaginable things? Well, because our Father has given us the perfect head to this body. And because the Father has given us strength and power through his Spirit in our inner being. See, we're able to do more than we can imagine, not because of who we are, but because Christ is our head and because the Spirit of God gives us strength and power, and that strength and power animates us. It gives this body powerful lungs. It gives this body a powerful heart. See, we are the body of Christ, and we have been genetically gifted to do unimaginable things. So maybe the question is occurring to you that occurs to me. So why with all of these genetic advantages, why isn't the church, why isn't the body of Christ running 27.8 miles an hour? Why isn't the body of Christ long jumping over 29 feet? And I want you to know it's not because we aren't capable It isn't because God the Father isn't doing his part, and it isn't because God the Son isn't doing his part, and it isn't because God the Spirit isn't doing his part. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who thinks this way, but do you ever wonder how many potential Olympic champions are never discovered? Never know about the gifts they have. Never discovered because they're spending most of their time sitting on the couch eating Cheetos and drinking root beer. Never discovered. See, Usain Bolt and Mike Powell were genetically gifted by their parents. They were genetically gifted to do unimaginable things. But they still had to train. They still had to compete. They still had to get up off the couch and put down the Cheetos and put down the root beer and get busy doing something. Had to get busy doing something. So does the body of Christ. We have been gifted by God to do more than we can imagine. But we still have to train. We still have to compete. We still have to get up off our pews and get busy doing something. 
We've been equipped by God. We've been equipped by our Father. But the body of Christ will only do unimaginable things if we do our part, if we will equip ourselves. Why has God given each of us? Why has he given us individually, each part of the body, gifts? Well, as we read in Ephesians chapter 4, we've been given gifts to prepare God's people for, for work, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. See, it's our job also to equip the body. It's our job also to build up the body. It's our job to train each other up so that we can do more than we ever possibly imagined. And the body of Christ doesn't do unimaginable things on a diet of spiritual Cheetos and root beer. That's not the way you feed a body that's going to do unimaginable things. And the body of Christ isn't going to do unimaginable things by training for just an hour and a half once a week on Sunday mornings. That's not the way you prepare the body to do unimaginable things. The body of Christ isn't going to run 27.8 miles an hour. It's not going to long jump over 29 feet unless we get serious about being self-controlled in our habits. Unless we get serious about being disciplined in our spiritual practices. Listen to Paul again, this time in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. They got those neat little crowns that were made out of wild celery. Those didn't last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. See, Paul envisions a self-controlled and disciplined body. Self-controlled and disciplined so the body of Christ can do more than we can ask and more than we can imagine. And to do unimaginable things, we must follow our head. We must follow Jesus. We must follow his wishes. We must follow his example. We must follow his desires. We must follow his commandments. We must follow his rules. Because we are his body. And he is our head. And we can't forget that all of this equipping, all of this training, all of this building up the body isn't so we can look good. It isn't about appearances. It's not about looking good. It's about doing good. It's so that we can get up from our pews and do something. The body of Christ, the church, is being built up to perform. Built up to do. We're being built up and equipped to do good works. The good works that our Father prepared in advance for us to do. The good works that are waiting for us to do. The good works that our Father intends for us to do. But we aren't equipped just to work. We're also equipped to win. To win the imperishable prize. To win the crown of life. 
We're equipped to finish the race that we have started. We can't forget Paul's words in 2 Timothy 4. They're, they're kind of heartbreaking in a way, but they're so encouraging also. He wrote this. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We're equipped to finish the race and claim the crown. And we're also being built up and equipped to grow the body. Built up and equipped to sow the seed, to expand the kingdom. To bring more people to Christ. We should be bringing more people to Christ so this body grows and it's strengthened and it becomes even better equipped to perform those unimaginable things because we're bringing strength into the body. Jesus, who's the head of this body, made it very clear that that's what we have been equipped to do. We know in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We're equipped to spread the seed and grow the body. The body of Christ is equipped to do good works, and it's equipped to win the prize, and it's equipped to sow the seed. And we're also equipped to bring glory to our God. Glory to our God who so loved us that he did the unimaginable. He did the unimaginable. He gave us his one and only son so we would not perish, but instead have eternal life. Let's bring glory to God who has given us given us his church. Let's bring glory to God who has equipped this body. Let's bring glory to God who is equipping this body to do unimaginable things. More than we could ever ask, more than we could ever imagine. And that will happen because God has done his part and it will happen if each and every one of us will do our part. And for each of us to do our part, and for this body to grow up into the full measure of the fullness of Christ, we must all remember that each of us, every single one of us, we're all vital to the body of Christ. I want you to walk away knowing that you are important to the body of Christ. You are vital to the body of Christ. The body of Christ cannot perform like it is intended to perform without you. You are important. The body can't be what it was intended to be without you doing your part. But I also want all of us to remember this, that the body of Christ, that the church is also very important. It is vital to each and every one of us. Yes, we're important to the body, but the body is important to us. The body's important to me. The body is important to you. You can't be what God intended for you to be 
without the rest of the body. We need each other. We are important to each other. And because we are important to each other, because we need each other, because we can't do unimaginable things without each other, we need to be a body that cares for each other. We must have care and concern for each other. We must. I must care for you. You must care for me. We must care for all the other parts of the body of Christ. And that's where we're going to turn our attention next week. We're going to turn our attention to caring for the parts of the body of Christ because nothing prevents the body from being able to do unimaginable things like an injury. An injury to any part of the body. Even an injury to a body part that doesn't seem all that important. Nothing prevents the body from being able to do unimaginable things like injury to a body part. So over the next week, I'm going to ask you to ponder these two questions with me as we think about what we're going to talk about next week. The first question I want you to ponder with me is, what happens to the performance of the body when even one part is injured? And the second thing I want you to ponder is, and why should the rest of us care? And that's what we'll be talking about next week. So please join us next week as we seek to be a body that works together. A body that works together, that's drawn together. A body that wants to make sure that when we all get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, that that will be a day of rejoicing. A body that when we all see Jesus, we all see Jesus, together we'll sing about the victory. The victory we've won as a body of Christ. Let's stand and let's sing about that victory. Sing, Lord, like a shepherd.